I was driving late one night in Murdiv. And as I was driving, I was coming from a meeting and I was rushing home. And as I was driving, I took a left turn and I noticed a car behind me. And then I continued driving, took another turn, and the same car was still behind me. And then I took another turn, and the car was still there. Now, I don't know what city you grew up in. <laughs> I grew up in one of the most amazing cities in the world, Nairobi. It's beautiful. I love it. Um, <laughs> but in Nairobi, past a certain time of the night, when you start driving and you notice a car follow you through three turns, it stops being Nairobi and it becomes Nairobi. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went into Nairobi mode immediately. I grabbed my steering wheel, adjusted my sitting position, and got ready for evasive and defensive driving for three seconds. Then I remembered I'm in Dubai. <laughs> what am I doing? How did your prayer life change? when you moved to Dubai. I know that I often prayed for protection, for the Lord to cover myself and my family. But as we settled more and more in Dubai, more and more, that line in my prayer has slowly disappeared from my prayer life. Now, it could be that I stopped praying that prayer because God has answered that prayer already. Or it could be that I have stopped depending on God for protection. What does your prayer life say about who you think God is? What does your prayer say about you? What does it say about how you view God? Today, as we look at the fourth installment in our Pray Like This series, we will be looking at three confessions we make when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. We will see two confessions this statement says about ourselves and our relationship with God, and then we will see one confession it says about ourselves in community. It is the first of our personal needs in this prayer. It has moved us from a focus on God to a focus on our needs, and it starts with our need or our physical needs. But first, let us pray today so that we can get to hear the word of God. Father, I pray that you will minister to us today. I pray, Lord, that you'll prepare our hearts to hear from you. Lord, I pray that you will prepare us to obey what we learn today. Lord, I pray that you would give me the courage to step out of the way and allow you to minister to your people through your word for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Could we please pray the Lord's Prayer together? I'll put it up on the screen. Let us just pray together so that we can remind ourselves what we are talking about today. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread. Verse 11. There are those who have argued 
that there is no way Jesus could move from talking about the kingdom of God and move directly to talking about bread. That the bread here must be something more than just bread. That it could be a metaphor, a reference to something greater. That this prayer is too majestic to be just about bread. And some have thought that it referred to Jesus himself as a bread of life, and others have thought it speaks of the word of God as our daily bread. And while those are amazing thoughts to have, in thinking that of this passage, we completely miss out on the comforting truth that God does care about our everyday needs and we should pray about them. See, that may have been the argument in the 1800s and the 1700s. Today, maybe we could have come to the consensus that it is bread, but our argument today could be, is it gluten-free? <laughs> See, the statement Jesus makes here is in and of itself a very simple statement. Give us this day our daily bread. But when we say it, when we speak it, we are making certain confessions. And I'd like us to go to the very first confession we make when we pray that simple prayer. And the first confession we make is a confession of dependence. See, allow us to go back to the idea of bread again. Because as they argued about that back in the day, to some level they were right. It's not just bread, but more than bread. It is everything we need for physical sustenance, from bread to every other of our daily needs. And it starts off with the statement, give us, O God, because truly we claim nothing out of right, but only out of God's free mercy. The very essence of the things that we need for daily sustenance comes from God. He is the giver of them all, and in so praying we are declaring that we are depending on him for what we need to survive every single day. Notice how Jesus refocuses the prayer by first reminding them who God is. And we did this. We went through the prayer and we've started, we started from a place of understanding who God is, his name, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then we moved to God's kingdom and, and we talked through how God's kingdom is already advancing, thy kingdom come. And then we moved to God's will and then he moves us to man's need. What Jesus is essentially saying and what we see from this passage is this, and we cannot truly pray regarding our own human situation until we see God as he is, for who he is, and who he will always be. Then Jesus turns the focus of this prayer from the heavenly to the physical needs of man, and first and foremost, he goes to bread, which includes all their daily physical needs. Give us this day the things sufficient for our sustenance. This is more than a prayer for food on our plates. This is a humble request for God to provide every single thing we need to make it through day by day. But is this prayer still relevant today when we have more than we need for ourselves? How do you genuinely pray this prayer when you do not have any need for physical needs? See, when Jesus was teaching this prayer to the disciples, most in that time depended on day-to-day -day provision. 
They worked and then they received their wage at the end of the day. And if you did not work, you did not eat. And even the thought of going for one single day without working was scary because that meant going for a day without food. So they knew what it meant to depend on bread sufficient for the day and hope that God would provide for bread tomorrow. But that's not the case in the time that we live in today. Things are extremely different now. One of my favorite artists is a gentleman called Lacrae, and in his 2014 album, Anomaly, he says this in a song. The song is called Welcome to America. In this particular song, he, he's describing the excesses of the culture in America, um, but he, he takes verse 3, when he goes to the last verse, he takes the vantage point of an immigrant, and, and he's writing from a position of someone who desires to go into America, but the view they may have of America. And, and this is what he says. I wish I lived in America. I want to raise my kids in America. Hide hard everyone is rich. All I have to do is run, jump, and kick. And talking about athletics, basketball, and American football. I'm going to be a hit in your area. So please pick me, America. I know you probably never loved me. You never hear about me on the news. And you probably have never been to my country. I hear you're selling education. And you've got clothes that you throw away. You've got plenty of food in your nation. I can tell because a lot of you are overweight. <laughs> I already work for you. I'm at a sweatshop making these shirts for you. And he talks about the idea of, of child labor, but then also the idea of this child thinking of America, making these shots and seeing that all these shots are extra, extra large. Lacrae in that song talks about the reality in America, the excesses that they have, but... It's easy for us to think that that's a problem there, but the truth is, it's everywhere today. The truth is, we today live in one of the most prosperous cities in the world. We have more than the disciples could have ever imagined was possible as they listened to Jesus say, give us this day our daily bread. We have too many clothes, yet nothing to wear. We have access to all we want, think, and need, and we have too many choices when it comes to food. According to Dubai Carbon, the UAE ranks among the top nations for per capita waste generation in the world. Roughly 38% of the food prepared in this city goes to waste, and that statistic jumps to 60% during Ramadan. My wife was asked by a friend, maybe, why do you need God? You are educated. You already have a good life. You have it all. Why do you need God? The problem with prosperity is that it focuses our hearts and minds at our own abilities. We see what we have achieved and we consider ourselves so successful that we do not need God. We have edited God out of our lives because we no longer need him for protection. When we have security everywhere, we no longer need him for provision when we have food security and an excess of food production. Therefore, how can we genuinely pray, give us this day our daily bread, when we have more than enough for today, tomorrow, and weeks to come.
We therefore turn to the words of Agu, son of Jake, the oracle in Proverbs chapter 30, where he considers not only the problem of prosperity, but he talks about the danger in scarcity, where he says, two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still and profane the name of my God. In praying, give us this day our daily bread. We express our dependence on God. We acknowledge that we do not know what tomorrow holds. We could be successful today and tomorrow we lose everything. And we could have nothing today and tomorrow we gain everything. Yet, our salvation does not come from the things that we have. Our sustenance doesn't come from the things that we have. But our salvation and sustenance comes from the giver of those things. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love, that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Maybe we need to stop for a second and consider the times we have depended on ourselves and our own ability, and in that sense, we have forgotten God. After all, you are the one who went to university. You are the one who got that job. You are the one who wakes up each and every morning. It is not God insulted by your boss or your clients, so why should you pray to him for your day-to-day needs when he doesn't face your day-to-day frustrations? We sometimes forget that it is God who wakes us up in the morning. It is him who gives us the ability to work, think, or even live. It all belongs to him. God offers the Israelites this caution in the book of Deuteronomy. He says to them in Deuteronomy chapter 8, after they've come from slavery, he says to them, take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and that you, all you have is multiplied, then your hearts will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness and his fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty grounds where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. If there is one thing COVID has taught us, it is that we are one pandemic away from losing our jobs, our security, and our finances. We have talked about the danger of prosperity. 
but also there is a lot of good in prosperity as well. There is a lot of gain in prosperity, but allow me to put a pin on that, and I promise you we will come back to it later. For now, though, we have talked about how when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are expressing our great dependence on God. We are making a confession of dependence. Without God, I am unable. It is a confession. This simple statement says, I cannot meet my own needs, but you, O God, can. Uh, So now let us move on to the second confession we make when, when we pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And the second confession we make is a confession of trust. When we pray, Give us this day our daily bread. We are also saying that we are trusting God. No, it's not just trusting that God can provide. It is saying that we trust who he is. We trust his intentions for us. And we trust that we know him as a father and as a friend. See, the words in this prayer essentially give us bread sufficient for this day. We are saying that we trust that God knows what is sufficient. We trust his intentions for us. We trust that he knows what is enough, what we need, and what we, and we, we trust that he will supply exactly that, not a crumb more, not a crumb less. The word that translated as daily in verse 11 is a unique word. The word indicates bread for the coming day. And as we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are saying that we are trusting God to provide for our physical needs for the coming day. That indicates that we must look to God to provide in a regular way our needs for the day. And you might be thinking to yourself, can I really trust God to do that? I have been let down before and I don't think I can trust God to that level. Or maybe you could generalize it and say, I genuinely do not think I can trust anyone to that level. The problem with that is that sometimes we could project the failure of others in our lives on God. And therefore view God the way we view those who have let us down. But that's not the foundation of trust. The foundation of our trust in God is based not on how we view God, but on how God sees us how God views us. I have two daughters, beautiful girls. I I love them dearly. They're such wonderful girls. Uh, The older one is called Toria. Toria has a chokehold on my heart. Uh, I love that girl so much, and and she knows it. Now, now Toria is, is, is adventurous. She loves jumping from high places. She loves diving into the swimming pool. She loves running uh, at high speed. She loves using her scooter. At her, it's just scary. Things that make my heart beat too fast. <laughs> Sometimes, though, she, she convinces herself that she's old enough to cross the road by herself. And I'll, I'll tell her, no, you can't do that. And I'll, I'll want to hold her hand. And I'll tell her, I have to hold your hand. You cannot cross on your own. And she'll ask, why? Because she thinks she's big enough. Other times it will be that she wants to jump and I'm, I'm ready to catch her, but she says, no, no, I'm afraid. And I tell her, no, it's okay, jump, you can, you can trust me, I'll catch you. And she gets afraid. And, and those times, both situations when she asks why, I, I often lean down to her level and I ask her, baby girl, how many Torias do I have? And sometimes to be cheeky, she laughs and says, 10. <laughs> and then, then I tickle her until she, she narrows it down to one. And then I tell her, you 
are the only Torah I have. And I cannot let anything happen to you. You are of great value to me. You are the only Torah I have. And I want her to know even though I have another daughter, she is the only Torah I have. And it's the same for the other daughter as well. You see, sometimes I want her to understand that she can trust me by reminding her how I view her, not how she views life. And that's the same thing with God. You hold great value to God. You are the only one of you that God has, and he loves you dearly. You are not a bother to God. You are precious in his eyes. You are far more valuable than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. And as Jesus teaches the disciples, give us this day our daily bread, he indicates and he tells us that he wants us to come to God with every single thing, and we can trust this God not only with the big things, but with the little things as well, the everyday things also. Sometimes we think that we should only come to God for the impossible, that we shouldn't bother him with, with, the, with, the, with what we consider the mundane, the little things of life. We must be reminded that we can trust God for the big, the small, and every single thing in between. It's comforting to know that God is interested in the details of our lives, that somehow, in between him taking care of the universe, the same God who says to the ocean, this far and no more, the one who called forth the mountains and, and, and sent down the valleys, the one who spoke the oceans into being and every single creature therein, the one who says to the moon, stay there and hold for the night, and to the sun, rise up, it's morning now, that same God cares about you having a shawarma. <laughs> it is comforting to know that God is interested in the details of our lives. Jesus revises this idea at the end of chapter 6 in Matthew, the reminder that we are of great value to God and we matter to God. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Could we look at that concept of value just a bit more? Because this trust we are talking about all comes back to value, your value to God in particular. See, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are reminded of the very nature of who our Father in heaven is. He is a provider. It is interesting that if you ask people to tell you the names of God, one of the names that will come up first is God as Jehovah, Jireh. And many of us define it as Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, my provider. In that, we forget that when Abraham in Genesis first says it, he says, so Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. 
When we assume that the statement is, God is my provider, it places the onus on us, giving me the idea that I have to tell God my need, and in my telling God my need, that starts the chain reaction that triggers my provision. But when Abraham calls God Jehovah Jireh, he is saying that the Lord will provide. It is a future sentence. Abraham did not know he needed a ram caught in that bush. God provided even before Abraham knew what he needed and what he was going to need at that day, on that day. We would have to be extremely arrogant to imagine that we know exactly what we need tomorrow so we will know what to tell God to provide. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we are saying we trust him to provide for the need we do not even know we have yet. And he does. See, Abraham was ready to sacrifice his son, but just at the right time, the angel of the Lord turns his attention to the ram caught in the thicket. God provided a great substitution. God gave. The beauty of that story in Genesis is that it's just like a great big arrow pointing to the gospel of Jesus Christ, pointing to the cross. God will provide. Abraham spoke in future tense, speaking of a time to come, a time that came, a time that was fulfilled on the cross. There was a great judgment headed our way because of our sin, and God in his mercy gave us a way out for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And that takes us right back to the value that we are talking about and why you can trust God. From his great love for you, he gave his only son to take your place in judgment. He gave you a substitution The same way Abraham looked up at the bush and saw a ram caught in the thicket and thought, Jehovah Jireh, is the same way we ought to look at the cross of Jesus Christ and see the Lamb of God crucified there and think, Jehovah Jireh, the God of heaven loved you so much that he provided a way out for you. Surely, if he gave his son for your salvation to change your eternity, Surely, you can trust him with the everyday things of this life, this life that will pass away. If you're here today and you do not know God or you haven't given your life to him yet, I hope you'll hear this and you will hear it well. Or or as my Nigerian friends say, hear it well, well. (laughs) You are valued in God's eyes. You are the only one of you that God has, and it's of, you are of immense value to him. The image of me leaning down to my daughter, um, that is the image I would desire for you to have of God today, a God who's leaning to you or lifting you to himself and him saying in the most loving way, you are the only one of you I have, and I have loved you enough to do everything to save you. I am Jehovah Jireh. For now, though, let's go back to the last part of our message today. See, we started by saying that when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, it it offers us two confessions about how we view God, but it also is a confession about how we view ourselves, and I would like us to go there now. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, it offers us a a confession about community. 
Notice the first two words, the, the two words in there. It says, us and our. It is almost impossible to get to this part of the prayer and continue in it selfishly. This is not just about my needs. In praying, give us this day our daily bread. We are praying for the needs of the family of God. We cannot walk our Christian walk in isolation. We are called to care for one another, to pray for one another, and to give one, to one another as well. We are challenged and commanded to have the best interest of our brothers and sisters at heart as we pass through this life. I was once told the story of a businessman who had a business deal pending, millions of dollars on the line, and he decides to go to church in the middle of the day when he's sure there is no one else in the church. So he walks in, gets ready to pray and make his case to God, and just as he's about to start praying, someone else walks in who's praying for rent. This person is petitioning his father in heaven for rent. This businessman is cool, calm, and composed as he's praying to God. And, and all of a sudden, he hears this racket. Oh, God, please give me rent. And, and the businessman is confused. He, he, okay, he composes himself again, and he wants to start praying again. And just as he's getting his composure, this other person is still crying to God. Oh, God, my father, I need rent. And the businessman is confused. He cannot even talk to God. He finally has it, stands up, taps the man on the shoulder, and goes like, hey, my friend, how much is your rent? <laughs> and, and the guy says, and the businessman removes his wallet, counts the money, gives him, and says, go. Okay. <laughs> turns back to God and says, now God that I have your full attention. <laughs> I love that story because it does two things for us right now, both of which are covered in Philippians. And it reminds us not to act out of selfish ambition, but it also reminds us to look out for the interest of others. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Remember that pin we dropped in the, uh, at the beginning of the message when we were talking about prosperity? We talked about the danger of prosperity, but I also mentioned that there is great good in prosperity. When we are blessed to have, we are also blessed to give. We may have enough for our, to cover our own needs, but in praying this prayer, we are reminded to care for those in our community who have no idea where the next meal is coming from. So maybe in praying, give us this day our daily bread, we could also be praying, Father in heaven, please show me how I can help those who are less fortunate than me in my community. Or, Father in heaven, could you use me to be the answer of daily bread for someone else? Every second Sunday of the month, we have an opportunity for anyone who would like to give food towards those in our community who may have fallen on hard times. We call it the food drive. Maybe last week you saw the tables and the banners outside. Uh, maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you know about the food drive. What you may not know is the impact it has or how God uses what you give to answer the prayer of daily bread for someone. Maybe even the person seated right next to you in this service right now. 
So when I was preparing this message, I sent a message to Shade and the prayer team, and I asked them the, to, to, to tell me the direct beneficiaries of the food drive. And I got a text back from them saying 20, just the number. And I thought, wow, 20 families. Then the following text explained that 20 families better. It says 20 families each and every month receive help directly from the care team through the food drive. That is 20 families every single month. And that thing broke my heart in both a good and a bad way. The good of it was this, that while God is using fellowship to provide to 20 families, that there are 20 families in this congregation that, that are direct beneficiaries of the food drive, of what you guys gave. But then I immediately thought, that's 20 families that do not know where the next meal is coming from. That's 20 families seated amongst you, or even watching online right now who do not know what they're going to eat tonight, maybe. The text continued saying the food drive is on the second Sunday, and by the last Sunday, the pantry is empty. When we pray, give us today our daily bread, we are praying for our community. We are praying beyond our need and into the needs of others. We are praying that we would be great stewards of the amazing gifts that God has blessed us with so that those who do not have could have something. Allow me to finish today with the story of someone who has received care and been a beneficiary of the food drive. She sent in a text saying this, I'm really happy and grateful for everything the care team has done for me and my babies. It's so hard to be a single mother and being in a country which isn't yours. I was so down and desperate having nothing to eat and feed my son, yet I also have another baby to breastfeed. And everyone can understand that, but God answered my prayer when I was crying and looking for help and remembered that his word says, why do you worry for what you will eat and what you will wear? And I grabbed my phone and I started to search about fellowship churches in Dubai. That's how I got the care team. And they had programs of food drive and I filled the form and praise God I received the call from the care team and they dropped me food items and baby stuff. I shed tears because I was so hopeless, worried and anxious. I had a lot of things running into my mind, seeing my child asking for food that I didn't have. It was so painful to me. Thank you, God, for the fellowship church and the care team that they have done a big difference into our lives. Thank you for giving me a new life and smile. God bless you all. I cannot imagine looking at my two girls and not having something to give them to eat cannot imagine being a parent and being in that position. I cannot also imagine the joy that God has in your giving that enables this family to have a meal. And I'm thankful to God for each and every one of you. And I pray that you realize that God uses you greatly in this community. This is not about fellowship as well. Let me just say that as I was reading that text, I thought to myself to remove fellowship from everywhere. She mentions it. 
it's not about that. It's about people who are suffering and struggling and God who's responding to that suffering and struggle. And allow me to say a big thank you to you for you allowing God to use you in this way for his glory and our joy. Three things I would like you to consider as you respond to this message. One, if you have more than you need, consider giving to us a food drive. Care for those in our community who may have fallen on hard times. And it could be that you just do a shopping dedicated to us, a food drive, or it could be that every single time you go shopping, you just had an extra packet of rice or an extra packet of flour. Just that small thing you do could be of great impact to someone. Number two, if you have fallen on hard times, maybe you could be comforted in the knowledge that God loves you and he has already provided for you. Your worth and value before God is not based on what you can give or what you have, but in knowing that he loves you, and that's it. You are valuable before God, and even in this congregation you're valuable. Please do not feel like you have to be able to give or you have to be able to have something for you to be part of God's family. You are of great value just the way you are. Lastly, if you do not have a relationship with God, please don't go home without talking to someone about it. Just start the conversation today. (laughs) Come, you may have a bunch of questions. Come, come with your questions. That's okay. Just remember that God loves you so much that he gave a way out for you. He provided a way out for you. He loves you. You are the only one of you that God has, and you are of great value to him. Please do not go home without talking to someone about it. We're going to be singing a song that reminds us that God is enough for us. I love the first few lines in this song. It says, I wasn't holding you up, so there is nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud, and I'll never be more loved than I am right now. It's a beautiful song. It reminds us of who God is. God loves you, and God loves providing for you for his glory and our joy. Let us pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for all you do for us. Thank you for every single opportunity you give us to remember, to do, to give. Thank you, Lord, for the times you have provided for us. Thank you, Lord, uh, for the times that when we've prayed this prayer, Lord, may we consistently remember that we are depending on you, that we are trusting in you, but also we want you to use us in our community. Lord, I want to pray for anyone who's here today who doesn't know you. Lord, may they know that you love them enough to give your only son so that they could be part of your family as well. So, Lord, I pray that you'll give them the courage to step forward so that someone can pray with them and for them. We worship you, we adore you, and we thank you for your glory and our joy. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.